following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, that's really where I'm going to focus. What you, know, what you have there is the Lord's Prayer. And we've been going through it somewhat systematically during the summer. But we're going to just focus today on verse 11. And verse 11, which says, Give us today our daily bread. Or give us today our daily bread. Now with this petition, we are going to turn a corner in uh, our journey through the Lord's Prayer. The first three petitions, if you've been here so far, have talked about His name. He's talked about His kingdom. It has talked about his will. The second half of this prayer that we're starting today really kind of teaches us to pray for his provision, daily bread. We're going to be, in the next weeks, his pardon, forgiving us our debts. Uh, His protection, lead us not into temptation. And his deliverance, deliver us from evil. So really, as you look at the Lord's Prayer, the first part of what we've been through so far The key word there is your, your name, your kingdom, your will. Now all of a sudden it's going to kind of flip over a little bit. The second half is us. Give us, forgive us, lead us. And by arranging things this way, we've got the proper way of looking at things, at least as far as God is concerned. See, we're to pray about our own concerns. That's what we're going to be talking about today, our daily bread and forgiveness, and protection. But in the second half of this prayer, God is bringing us to the everyday, kind of tiniest details of our Christian lives. See, our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, lead us unto temptation, deliver us from evil. Now, if you think about it, these things that we're going to be looking at the next weeks uh, take care of all of the needs of life. Provision takes care of your present. Uh, pardon takes care of your past, and protection takes care of your future. And not only that, it takes care of every single part of your life as you look at God's Word. I mean, provision takes care of your body. Pardon takes care of your soul. Protection takes care of your spirit. So today we're going to look at this one about provision. Give us today our daily bread. Now, there are a couple of words I want to focus on before we get much further, much deeper into this. And the first word is, this is a prayer for bread. This is not a prayer for German chocolate cake. This is not a prayer for coconut cream pie. This is not a prayer for peach cobbler. This is a prayer for what? Bread. The Greek word for bread is literally bread. It, it is plain, ordinary, common, ordinary old bread. And so what Jesus is telling us that when we pray here, we ought to pray for ordinary, normal, everyday bread. So this little petition we're going to look at today, I guess in its essence, this is a prayer about food. This is the prayer that really ought to be said before we sit down and eat. You might think about that when you go out to eat today, that you would say, give me today the bread I need for today. Amen. To pray before you do that. Now, I don't know the last time you've ever asked God, please give me a meal. You ever done that? Oh, God, give me a meal. 
Now, most of us would be better off saying, oh, God, prevent me from eating another meal. Uh, I've already eaten way too much. Uh, this, this prayer of give me a meal almost sounds like it should be prayed by somebody who lives in India or lives in Haiti or someplace like that. That's sad but true because we have so much food that we sometimes take this simple little request in the Lord's Prayer uh, for granted, and yet this prayer request uh, from which is, we, is formed some familiar uh, dinnertime prayers. How many of you grew up with this one? Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let these gifts to us be blessed. It's called the common table prayer, but everybody prays it slightly different. You ever figured that one out? I learned that prayer uh, growing up, uh, but I was raised by German grandparents, so I learned, come here, Jesus, science of God, second of God, wants to be shared as amen. Anybody learn that version? No Germans in here. Well, what do you know? But give us today our daily bread also forms another dinner prayer. Perhaps you learn this one. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. That's what I always thought it should say. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands, we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Did anybody grow up praying that prayer? Okay, a few of you. Okay. But bread in Scripture is more, really, than just literal bread. It's also a symbol for all the material things in life. Now, Martin Luther, or as Mark likes to refer to him, Uncle Marty, Uncle Marty, who wrote Luther's small catechism, had a lot to say about this, and it's on your little sheet, but we're going to put it on the screen, too. He's going to ask us a question. I'm going to read the question. We're going to read the answer to this. And what Luther said is, you know, in response, what does this mean? Let's read this together. Truly God gives daily bread to evil people, even without our prayer. But we pray in this request that he will help us realize this and receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. Now, Uncle Marty doesn't stop there because he's probably saying, some of you are wondering what this daily bread is all about. So look at the next screen. What does daily bread mean? Let's read this together. Everything that nourishes our body and meets its needs, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, yard, fields, cattle, money, possessions, a devout spouse, devout children, devout employees, devout and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, discipline, honor, good friends, faithful neighbors, and other things like these. Luther is a little bit wordy, isn't he? But you get the general idea. We're asking for daily bread. We're praying about a a wide variety of things. And that little phrase, and other things like these, means anything else he leaves out. Whether they be physical or material, it's all included in that little expression, in that word, bread. So you're not just praying for physical bread, but you're also praying, in in a manner of speaking, for spiritual bread as well. And notice he says, give us today our daily bread. Daily. Now, one commentator I looked at said, this is perhaps the most perplexing word in the entire Lord's Prayer. Daily. And the reason he calls it perplexing is because that word is only found two times in the New Testament. Guess where? In the two times the Lord's Prayer is printed in the New Testament. And so they, they kind of wondered what this really meant, this daily. Was it something that Matthew and Luke just said, well, we're going to take an Aramaic word, which is what they would have spoken, and let's kind of transliterate it into some sort of a Greek form, meaning daily. 
and, and because they had no Greek equivalent. But a few years ago, uh, people who searched for these things found a little fragment of manuscript, and on it was a woman's shopping list. And you probably, what does that got to do with the Bible and daily bread? But they got a little fragment shop, shopping list, and she was writing down things that she was going to buy the next time she went into the village market. And next to certain items on that list, she wrote the Greek word for daily. So in that context, that word means buy it daily or buy it today. So this means for this very day or, or for the day that it's about to come. So if you pray this prayer in the morning, if you get up in the morning and say, give me today the bread I need for today, you are saying, Lord, uh, the material things I need today, give them to me today. If you wait until the evening, of course, you're saying, give me tomorrow the things I need for tomorrow. Now, you can draw a couple of conclusions about this so far. The fact that Jesus mentions bread teaches us that material things are really worth praying for. And I say that because there are a lot of people who think praying for kind of simple, ordinary things doesn't seem to be very, I don't know, very pious or very religious. It seems unspiritual. Uh, but I would remind you that you are not just a soul or a spirit. You're an honest-to-goodness physical being living in a physical body, and therefore you have needs, you have uh, physical needs, too, that have to do with your, your daily bread. So I'd say, you know, if food is what you need, pray for it. If prayer, uh, if uh, you've, you've got some other financial needs, nothing wrong with praying for that. If it's health you need, pray for that. If it's a different job, you can pray for that different job. I mean, material things are not excluded in this prayer. The second thing I think that Jesus is teaching us a little phrase is the importance of moment by moment, 100% dependence upon God. Now, he's teaching us that we need to learn to depend upon God on a day-to-day -day basis and not just kind of a way out there in general. It means that the followers of Jesus are kind of to live on what we might call a hand-to-mouth existence. And so this great petition, give us today our daily bread, is more than just a, a prayer request. It's really, I think, part of what we might call part of our Christian lifestyle. It, it would be, and as I've called this message today, it's daily bread living. And so if you're going to pray this prayer with some understanding, you need to know what it means to live daily asking for daily bread. And I'm going to suggest four steps in my message today. And here's step number one. And it has to do with gratitude, gratitude for what God's given. And this comes from the very first word in this verse. It says, give, give. It teaches us that everything we have comes from God, whether it be your education, whether it be your family, whether it be your children, whether it be this particular worship place, whether it be the next worship place where we have God willing. All of this comes from God. And we're, we're kind of put in the position of those who are praying, oh, Heavenly Father, give us what we need. And so surely this is the central part of the teaching. Now, just consider, for example, a few other examples from Scripture. Moses, when he wrote back in Deuteronomy 8, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. you guys are probably all going to eat lunch today. Where'd that stuff come from? the good land that God has given you, your daily bread. Or David says in 1 Chronicles, but who am I that 
uh, who, who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Even our offerings, what God has given us, doesn't belong to us. And we only give him back what is already his to begin with. David says in Psalm 145, this used to be a prayer that I remember praying in grade school based on this. You open your hands and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. Have you ever bothered to look at creation and really be stunned by it? Friday night, Nancy and I went out to eat, tried the mellow mushroom. But afterwards, I don't know what you were looking at, another restaurant or something. I, I wandered down by Lake Tanicomo. And Tanicomo was very peaceful. It, it was almost as if you could walk across it like it was glass. And I stood there and I kind of looked across that lake and just, I thought, man, this is really beautiful. And then I could see the cliffs on the other side and I could see where the road goes up to out where we live, out on T Highway. And I don't know about you, but when I'm gone from the Ozarks and I finally get through Springfield and I finally get to the hills again, I'm thinking, wow, I'm home. This is really beautiful. I mean, it, it's, you know, when I drive down to Texas, it's like, where did the landscape go? <laughs> but the beauty of what God is, has given us. And he's put it all here for us to enjoy. I mean, you know, lie on your back out in the middle of the field and just watch clouds for a while. Uh, you know, grab a juicy peach and take a big bite of it and just let the juice run down your face. Or watch your kids or watch your grandkids uh, play or, um, you know, gasp for breath when you jump into an ice-cold lake or pond. You know, these are all gifts from God. The everything of value that you and I have has been given to us in one way or another from the hand of the Almighty God. So that truth ought to make us grateful. David says in Psalm 90, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. In other words, it's really, it's really life is too short to ever have a bad day because of so much stuff that God has given us to enjoy. See, the lesson is really about is really not about praying before a meal. I, I always kind of look at it this way. It's learning how to deal with a really big G and a very small M. But too often we deal with a very big M and a very small G. Now, if you don't know what those letters stand for, sometimes the big, the big M is me. I'm the most important. And this little G is just over here in case I need something when in reality, I need to understand that it's the big G who's everything. And compared to him, I am next to nothing. That's gratitude for his blessing. Let's go to the next step here, which is contentment. And it says, give us today our daily bread. Now think about that for a moment. We're, asked, we're, we're to ask for bread, not bread pudding with raisins in it. Uh, we're to pray, give us this day our daily bread, not our daily dessert. In another way, it's we're praying about our needs and not our greeds. We pray to God and we ask God for what we really need, not for every wild desire that comes into our mind. Because we could pray about some really weird stuff. And if you're like me, you probably have at some time or another. Uh, the prayer is not an invitation to pray for great wads of material stuff, simply to add to our bottom line. Uh, it's not an invitation to pray for everything that's in the Next Christmas catalog, not that those things are wrong, but the text really says bread and not Hertz Donuts or Krispy Kreme. I've checked. Those words aren't there. 
I got to wondering, this would be a great question to ask Jeff. I could have asked you this one the other day. Jeff and I have coffee about three days a week. We deal with a little daily bread there on occasion. But have you ever studied what Jesus ate? That's an interesting thing. What did Jesus eat? Now, I, I, this is gonna, you, you can agree or disagree with me, but it, what I, when I thought about this, uh, Jesus enjoyed good food. In fact, he attended so many wedding receptions, I'm sure, like the wedding at Canaan. He went to so many festivals or feasts or banquets that the Pharisees actually called him what? A glutton and a drunkard. Now, I seriously doubt that he was pigging out at these places. I don't see Jesus being a little wasted when the wedding party was over. I don't see that at, at all here. But I'm saying he enjoyed good food. He enjoyed good company. He enjoyed being with people. But whenever Jesus did the cooking, what did they eat? Bread and fish. Bread and fish. I can't make a theological point about that, but I just thought that's kind of interesting. But see, Jesus could enjoy the really great things of this world, but simple and nutritious was also on his plate as well. See, our Lord was truly comfortable living life and taking whatever he got. Back in the early 1990s, I was privileged to be uh, part of the very first team to go to the Soviet Union after the Iron Curtain fell to lead workshops for Russian pastors who tra traveled, some of them by days, all the way from Siberia to get to Moscow. By the way, we were there in the dead of winter, not the best time to visit Russia. Uh, but when I got back, people had a lot of questions. And one of the questions they asked was, what do the people in Russia eat? What's it like over there? Now, what I shared with, with them was this, that while the average Russian person has far less food than we have here in America, every time we ever went to their house to be fed, they would literally open up the cupboards and bring everything out and keep bringing it out until we were well fed. During one visit, I just remember being really greatly blessed, uh, and we followed the same custom in every house. And at the beginning of the meal, when all of this food, which I'm sure was, we were eating their week's food or almost their month's food, it seemed like to me, because the cupboards looked bare by the time they brought it out, we would all stand, and we would join hands, and we would all pray, and we would thank God for the food that he had prepared for us that day, and then and only, day would we, then and only then would we sit down and actually eat. Now, I want you to picture going to a restaurant today with some family people, and when the food is all brought, you all stand up and join hands around that table and thank God for what he has placed before you. Now, there's also a habit that I had growing up about praying for daily bread that I've kind of forgotten we've gotten out of the habit of. But at the end of the meals in Russia, when all the food was gone, and believe me, you had to eat. They kept putting it on your plate. They think Americans eat nothing but bread, believe it or not, and, and rancid butter, which we don't. But when we were all done, we would stand up again and join hands around that table, and we would thank God for what God had provided for us that day. I tell you, that, that made a powerful impact. And, and I think about a habit that I think I've forgotten over the years. Because growing up, we always said, come Lord Jesus. But then we'd, at the end of our meal, before we left, we'd say, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for his good. His mercy endureth forever. It just means that we, we acknowledge that God has given us 
not only what we're about to eat, but that he has blessed us with what we have eaten. Many of you, uh, I should say many of you, I just say for myself, one Bible passage has kind of resonated with me lately. Uh, it comes from the book of Proverbs, and it's in Proverbs chapter 30, and it, it reads this way. Two things I ask of you, O Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. That little prayer is really saying, Lord, don't make me, don't make me too rich and don't make me too poor. Just give me whatever you feel I need in order to be content. Well, here's the third part of this, and this is confidence. Confidence. Confidence that God will actually meet your daily needs. And it says here, give us today our daily bread. Now, I'm going to take you back to the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 16. You know the story. The children of Israel have been brought out of Egypt in slavery. They come through this monumental miracle of crossing through the Red Sea on dry ground, and they get to the other side, and once they get out into the uh, Sinai Desert, what do they do? They start whining and complaining because they at least had good food back in Egypt. Now, there's a word in the Bible that always said the children of Israel murmured against Moses. Can you imagine several million people going, murmur, murmur, it, you know, I'm sure when he went to God, he said, these people of yours are driving me nuts. The miracle wasn't enough for them. Now they want food. And God says, I can handle that. And what did he do? He said, tell them that tomorrow morning when they come out of their tents, there's going to be kind of a frost on the ground. And um, when it dries they're going to find wafers that taste like crackers and honey. And you know what happened when they, they got the next one came out of their tents? They came out and they saw this stuff, and you know what they said? Manna. You know what that word literally means? What is it? Manna. God probably says, yeah, that's a good enough name for it. Manna. Now, they were given specific uh, thought about what to do with this. You're only supposed to take enough for what? One day. On the Sabbath day, you could take twice as much because you were not to work. The reason being, if you took more than you needed, it would rot. Those are pretty specific instructions. But I kind of think I'm a lot like some of you. I kind of wonder if I would have told Eric and Terry, get the wheelbarrow out of the garage. And when you go out tomorrow morning picking up that whatever it is, manna, pile it up and we can hide some under the tent. We can put some under our blanket somewhere just in case God doesn't provide again. And as a result, we would be sleeping in one stinky, smelly place. But isn't that kind of the way we look at things? Well, God's given us stuff for today, but maybe we should have a little extra for tomorrow. See, God is teaching us in the Old Testament what he's trying to teach us even yet today, and that's he's willing to supply our needs, but only on a one-day-to-another basis. That's his promise. Now, we don't like to live that way because most of us, if we went home, have freezers that are full of food, the refrigerator is full of food, 
Those of you who raised teenagers, my son played basketball for me in high school, and I can still remember him coming home. I could hear the refrigerator open, boom, close. Covered, boom, bang, mm, 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 bang. Out into the hallway where the pantry was, bang, 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 bang. There's nothing to eat in this place. And I'd go, oh my gosh, what were we robbed while we were gone today? Now, what was he really saying? There was nothing there that I wanted to eat today. You know, there's nothing wrong with having, you know, that side of beef out in the freezer. I'm not telling you that that's wrong. but it makes it a little bit more challenging to pray, give us today what we need for today. Because we don't like living the way Jesus tells us we ought to live. In fact, we'd rather have uh, maybe change this prayer and say, uh, Lord, could you give us this week our weekly bread? Or maybe could you give us this month our monthly bread? Or, you know, you know God, to save you a little trouble, could you give us a year's worth of bread and we'll just deal, we'll come back to you when we need more. But God doesn't work that way. He works by teaching his people to have moment-by-moment dependence upon him. That's the whole point of daily bread. I don't know if you're familiar with 12-step programs. Maybe some of you have been through Alcoholics Anonymous or in it or know people who are in it. You know, the change for them is not month-by-month or week-by-week. They say that change is what? It's an everyday thing. And that's a good thing for us to remember. It's day-by-day with Jesus. There's a tremendous principle here that daily bread living means taking one day at a time and being confident that God will take care of all of your needs day by day by day. Now here's the fourth point here, and this is generosity. This is generosity toward the less fortunate because it says, give us today our daily bread. Now, if Nancy and I were to pray that, give us today Our daily bread, it doesn't mean just Nancy and mine. It's a little bit bigger than that when God is going to supply us with not only all of our particular needs. That's a completely different prayer if we say, give give me today my daily bread. You're never invited to pray for yourself alone. Uh, Every time you pray this prayer, you're invited and encouraged really to pray with other brothers and sisters And this petition is kind of a bigness or a vastness or a broadness to this particular prayer. It takes you out of this narrow focus of your own problems and opens you up to a whole world of people around you that could use help. So there are four principles, and I think they're going to pop up here on the screen. One of them is that everything you have comes from God. I have nothing if it would not for God. Everything that's been given to you has been given in trust to you. God says, here it is, now take care of it. Be good stewards. The blessings you have are not given to you for your own personal benefit. What's given to you in trust is given that you might share it with other people. You might call this Christian Economics 101. What you have is loaned to you that you might be a blessing to other people as well. See, our implies that we don't pray this prayer alone. To say our instead of my or mine imparts a liberality to your prayer. And there are a lot of people out there that could use some of our liberality. I don't know if you know what's going on at the National Lutheran Youth Gathering. Some of you do, you get a few, you know, things. 
Let me tell you what, what is it, 22, 27,000 kids there, 40,000 altogether, up in uh, a football stadium in Minneapolis did yesterday. They prepared 320,112 meals for Feed My Starving Children. They gave out of their abundance and made sure that there's food for 320,000 plus children. They put together 325 kits that are built mainly for the homeless people, giving them what homeless people need for their daily living. 226 of them donated hair. Well, Jeff, you and I and Joel, <laughs> we'd been out of that one yesterday early. But you go, big deal, they donated hair? Well, some of you know exactly where that hair goes to help people who have none. 213 veteran encouragement letters were written. Do our veterans not need to be encouraged on a regular basis. And these young people took time to write these letters to encourage those veterans. 129 units of blood were donated. I find that amazing. But here are people who have been richly blessed. People have raised money for them, sent them not just to be entertained, sent not just to wander from food court to food court, <laughs> although that's probably a great part of what we're going to hear. You're going to hear a lot about that, I'm sure. I steered people to a coffee truck because it's owned by a former high school student of mine and her son. But they went above and beyond all of that to serve other people. There's a way of saying, I have been blessed. How do I bless other people? See, when the rich man prays, he also prays for Lazarus at the gate. And we would hope that if we pray for the Lazaruses at our gate, we'd do more than just give them crumbs off of our table, that we could bless them in some way. See, if God has given you two loaves of bread, maybe another loaf ought to go elsewhere. This is what the Christian life is all about, daily bread living. So let me summarize it this way, four points again. Gratitude to God for his blessings. I think that's the next screen. Yeah, those four words, gratitude. Gratitude to God for all of his blessings. Contentment with what God has already given you. Confidence that he will meet your needs day by day. And generosity towards those who are less fortunate than you. That's daily bread living. I mean, if you can kind of plant those four words in your head. To be a person of gratitude. To say, thank you, Lord, for our daily bread. And I will be content with whatever you bless me with whether it be little or whether it be much. And I have confidence that you will always meet my day-to-day -day needs. I will always have what it is you want me to have. And finally, generosity. Get it out of my hands and enable me to share it with other people as well. You know, life's an interesting journey. Uh, many twists and turns. And um, in the last couple of days, I've been able to celebrate, Nancy and I, we celebrated our 55th wedding anniversary yesterday. Uh, we are the reason the teenage divorce rate is as low as it is. I was 19, and I married her when she got out of high school at age 17. So that, that teenage divorce rate is low. 
and I'm within about three months of being three quarters of a century. But you know, I got thinking about this, and I've been doing a lot of thinking, about 55 years with Nancy, almost 75 years of my life. Um, the thing that kind of struck me was the amazing sovereignty of God. I mean, just how good God is and how God meets every need you'll ever have. Like many of you that maybe have been married more than a short amount of time, or were married for any amount of time, or have lived a certain amount of time, you've seen God's hand on a day-to-day basis, month-to-month basis, year-to-year basis, and you find that God has blessed you in ways that you never thought possible. And then along the way, you found a way to bless other people as well. A little girl come out of Sunday school when I was pastor at Lord of Life, and I asked her what she learned in Sunday school this morning. And she said, I learned that God never says, whoops. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's comforting because we kind of live in a whoops world. And uh, <clears throat> the true cynic doubts that God knows or that God cares, and therefore he gives us doubt and anger, something better despair. <clears throat> but people who actually know God know that he knows even when we don't know. And instead of us giving up, we need to give thanks instead. Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, teach us to trust you more and more. When we are tempted to do it ourselves, bring us down to the place where we must cry out for your help. Forgive us for living as if we were God and you are not. We thank you for giving us exactly what we need when we need it, not a moment too soon, not a moment too late, and having received so much from you, we ask for one thing more. Give us grateful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.